I am now recording. Okay, uh, this is the third Sunday after Epiphany uh, for um, the third Sunday after Epiphany. <laughs> That's right, also for the third Sunday after Epiphany. Also known as January 27th. 2019. 2019. And now we begin. Wait, let this siren go by. <laughs> thought you had a chihuahua for mm-hmm. a second. That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Same Old Song. Uh, we are coming to you uh, once again. For those of you who are sitting at home late at night and wondering, what the heck am I going to preach about? And for those of you who just um, are interested in learning a little bit more about the Bible, my name is the Reverend Jacob Smith, and I am the rector of Calvary St. George's Episcopal Church here in Manhattan. And as always, I am joined by my partner in crime and great friend, the Reverend Aaron Zimmerman, rector of uh, St. Albans in Waco, Texas. And, uh, and together we are wild stallions. <laughs> Sorry, it's never mm. wrong to reference Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, go ahead. I, go I ahead. used to be on a podcast called uh, t- "The Two Words," and uh, Sean and I, Sean Norris and I, uh, would refer to ourselves as the Wild Stallions. And so uh, <laughs> that is—I don't know why I brought that up, but anyway. But well, um, I made—I brought it up. I made you. You triggered something in me, Aaron. But anyway, um, lots of love. Shout out to Sean Norris. Doing Stop crying, Jake. in South okay. Carolina with Kate Norris. And um, anyway, um, uh, Episcopalians giving a shout out to an acne priest. That's amazing. So um, <laughs> healing is possible. Neither so, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, Episcopalian or acne. This is the hard work of reconciliation, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we are getting Apologies right into it. Apologies to all Baptists and evangelicals <laughs> who have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> no. Carry so, on. Back, back to the Bible. It, it, it is interesting when you think about these. Anyway, we're, we digress. We need to really talk about Nehemiah totally. and building up the walls. And so our Old Testament reading today is from Nehemiah. And never forget we're in Epiphany. And so all of the theme, the big theme here is the realization that Jesus is not only your Lord and your Savior. And, uh, and we proclaim the good news of his salvation to the whole world. So um, I love this collect for this Sunday. Um, it says that, um, it goes, Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we in the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell us a little bit about Nehemiah there, Aaron. Well, uh, he developed um, uh, a Soft drink that's very popular, uh, Nehi Cola. Uh, Cola. A lot of people don't realize that. <laughs> I love that Jake laughs at my horrible jokes. <laughs> All right. No, uh, yeah, Nehemiah 
<laughs> it's uh, it's about um, the rebuilding of Jerusalem after everything fell apart. I mean, this this whole book, and and this is what's hard about Epiphany. They're pulling together all these different Old Testament passages without giving you a lot of the background. Yes, and they're sort of cherry picking, and it's it's kind of hard to tie it together. But if you want to preach on Nehemiah, Nehemiah, there's good stuff here. You have to do a little background. You have to set the stage because this passage today takes place at the end of the book. The book begins with Jerusalem in rubble, in ruins, and Nehemiah is uh, who's from Jerusalem. And he's the cupbearer. He's like a high-ranking servant for a pagan king. And he hears that Jerusalem is in rubble and ruins and says, let's restore it. Let's rebuild it. Let's chip and join against this fixer-upper. Mm-hmm. And let's shiplap this baby and let's let's turn it around. And so they, um, uh, they do that. And then this is kind of the end. Like everything's been put back together. And they have this great day of reading the law in public. You know, the, the wall has been rebuilt. The temple has been rebuilt. Uh, and Ezra, who's the priest, opens the... The word and reads it to people, and I think, you know, the the there's worship, there's weeping, and if there's anything that you know that you want to say here, uh, I think you could talk about going from desolation to restoration, and then you can talk about the role of the law and and a little bit about how we respond to it. Um, and by the way, the law didn't work the first time; it's not going to work this time. But I think there's something interesting about the. The response here appropriately is not like how it has been in the past when the law was first read and people said, yes, we can do it. You know, that whole Mm. Joshua, choose who you will serve this day. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I saw a house here in Waco that had that actually inscribed in stone, like by their front door. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, which is what Israel said. But remember what happened to them. Uh, And so here their response to the law of God is worship bowing their heads, it's humility, their faces to the ground, and then they weep Mm. when they hear the words of the law, which in our liturgy, that's what happens when we read the summary of the law, and our response is not to say, yes, we can, but Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you want to talk about this, you can also, as we were talking about in our prep time, you can reference last week's reading from Isaiah. What you're seeing right here in a profound level in Nehemiah is... um, the his, like the prophetic thing that Isaiah spoke, this is the historical realization of this. Yeah, this and, is you know, When you come into contact with who you are um, in light of the law, it, it makes you weep. You know, you're just like, mm. damn. Um, and um, I said, damn. But anyway, it's... Uh, um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's in the Bible. The word is in the Bible. It is, it's but okay, anyway, folks. but that's what you want to say. And this is exactly what happens to Israel. But, you know, there is a good word here, because never forget, this is the day of the Lord as well. And what happens there on the day of the Lord? You rejoice. Yeah. You party like Jesus did in John chapter 2 last week. That's right. And the priests show yeah. up. Yeah. And so, you know, the priests show up and say, you know, don't weep. I mean, so yes, you hear the law, you weep, you, you're humbled, you realize that you have fallen short. Uh, but but the priests say, no, yes, you you fell short, but look at what God has done nevertheless. He has restored your fortunes, O Zion, uh, and because of that, you rejoice. And I think there's so many Christians who are forgiven by God mm. and never act like they're forgiven. Mm. And I I love Calvary St. George's tagline, and I would steal it for St. Albans Waco. Go if you for it. Trademarked Do it. it. No, Do it. and I think you stole it too from some from somewhere. No. But no, you made it up. No, no Luke no. Rowland did. 
I'm gonna give Luke, Luke Rowland made it Luke up. Luke Rowland gave and, it a shout out. And, We're talking about it in the garden, and so and the tagline for Calvary St. George's is enjoy. Your what is it, Jake? Enjoy your forgiveness. And here's what the priests say: Like, look. Yeah, you were idolatrous, you were uh, a, a, a harlotrous people, if that's a word, and God still restored this city and your whole way of life mm-hmm. and welcomed you back home. So rejoice, you've been you've been forgiven, you've been restored. Don't, uh, yes, uh, you can um, acknowledge the past, weep for the past, but once you're forgiven, enjoy your forgiveness. And so he says, eat the fat, mm-hmm. drink the sweet wine, mm-hmm. you know, just go all out, have a great party. I was doing that and, last and, night. Woo! I know I can tell by looking at you. Uh, that's yeah, that hurt. Rough around no, the I'm edges. <laughs> I can't. Uh, what's that bruise below your yeah, eye, right. there, Jake? Yeah. Did you Someone else accident? didn't enjoy their forgiveness, and so anyway. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, interesting bars around Calvary St. George's. Uh, by the way, Jake, I could tell some stories, which yeah. I won't, because mm. then we have to get the E rating on this podcast, and we don't want that. Well, if anybody would like to know those stories, you can join us at a Mockingbird <laughs> conference, and now's a perfect time to uh, register. So coming up at the end of April, yeah. 2019. That's right. Um, well, now we move into that's a perfect segue into our epistle, and so uh, first we are all about perfect segues. We never want there to be a, a it, it jerky could be the worst, or... It could be the worst segue in the world, but this is the definition of imputation. And so Smooth it is a, it's a perfect segue every time. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1231a. So <laughs> Don't say 31b, whatever you do. Yeah, whatever. That's Don't next week. Into... That's so, got to hold it. Sorry about that. Right, so 1 Corinthians. Corinthians, just as one body, uh, has many members, and uh, members of the body, though... Many are one body, so it is with Christ. Um, this is this is a very powerful thing. So this is a continuation of our of the reading from last week, where Saint Paul is talking about spiritual gifts, and here he clearly links um, uh, gifts to uh, the gift of baptism. You know, this just they don't mm-hmm. come out of the air. They don't come out of like a prayer group where you've all decided that you're definitely like an ENTP or something like that. Um, but but rather that uh, like this this is what God gives you in your baptism, and through this baptism, uh, God is giving gifts not only to Jews but Greeks, slaves, and free. He's actually made us all one. This is oh, and I know how this connected to the other thing. This creates <laughs> this creates the diversity that is that that we so desperately want. You know, this whole place yeah. is all about diversity. And it's filled with sixty-year-old <clears throat> white people. It's packed with sixty-year-old yeah. white people. There's nothing effing diverse about it. And uh, but when you preach the gospel. And you preach it. This word is for everybody. It's for Jew, for Greek, for free, for slave, male, female, gay, straight, everybody, because everybody needs a word of forgiveness and a word of mercy. And so when we begin to preach this, and then people all of a sudden, as we talked about last week, out of those wounds, they begin to, holy crap, I might have something to do. Um, Not because I have to, but because I want to. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the most interesting things that I've seen uh, in our parish, um, and and I and I don't think this is unique to us. I think it's something the gospel does is that uh, it connects with everybody, no matter their background. And um, we have a church that's full of every kind of person you can think of, uh, along those identity markers mm-hmm. that we tend to use to to divide people today. Um, and we have uh, and everybody's here together. Um, 
because we're all made to drink of one spirit. We're all baptized into one body. And this is beca- this is possible because of the grace of God. Yes, it is. This is because Jesus is the great democratizing, that is to say, everybody's equal force. He says everybody has fallen short and everybody is, and the blood is shed for everybody, as, as they used to say, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And so both the the Jews and the Greeks whom Paul references and the slaves or the free, all these people in Paul's day would have been very used to extremely hierarchical society mm-hmm. and hierarchical religion, just like we are today. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, uh, th- there would have been classes of priests and scribes and religious leaders and different levels. Uh, and that's what people would have been used to. But what Paul is saying here, no, we're all in one body. Yes, there are different roles for us, but no one is better than the rest. And Paul spends a lot of time saying that the eye, who you might think is like a, that's a pretty important uh, part of the body, can't say to the hand, you know, forget you, uh, uh, you know, can't tell the hand to talk to the hand because every part of the body needs every other part of the body. And, um, and, and this is, this is, so if you find a community, a Christian community where there's lots of divisions there's been some disconnect with what the gospel actually means. And at the same time, if you find yourself in a church where everybody looks the same, uh, you have found a place where there is a huge disconnect uh, from the gospel. Um, You know, this whole concept, it's really popular in New York. A lot of church planters do this. If you're thinking about planting a church in New York, awesome. But don't make it for, you know, young professionals and artists. That is ridiculous. Nothing could be further... That, that is the antithesis of the gospel. Um, it is for everybody. And uh, you're right. It is the great leveling field. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and what's interesting, again, this is all um, reminding Corinthians who were, like we do today, they were falling back into patterns of, of dividing their church community. Yeah. Uh, they had different pastors. Some of them liked better than others. Some of them liked Osteen. Some of them liked Criflo Dollar. These are all Jake's major influencers. These are all the guys you read and, and you love, Jake. I know yeah. I'm outing you on this. <laughs> and so they had these different, uh, some were, you know, but some were more, uh, you know, Max Lucado people. Mm-hmm. And so. Your favorite. <clears throat> so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Guilty as charged. And uh, love you, Max. And, and so Paul is saying, no, like, you're all the same. We're, our only leader is Jesus Christ. There is only one hierarchy in the Christian church, and that is to say Jesus Christ is our great high priest. And the rest of us, we're just here together. If we rejoice together, we rejoice together. If we suffer, That's right. if one suffers, we all suffer together. And so, and I think this is a good thing for Christians to be reminded of, um, the way that we're all connected uh, to the body of Christ around the world and in space and time. Mm, absolutely. Luther's got a great illustration of this um, he talks about kind of the, um, that your little toe, you never take notice of your little toe at all, at all, until in the middle of the night when you stub it. And he says it has the power to uh, make your entire body uh, just crumple. And, uh, um, and, uh, that's, and that is true. You know, it's, we're all connected, and, um, and it's all very important, and uh, the gospel needs to be preached. Yeah, and I think there's there's also something here you can say a little bit about that Nazareth principle that mm. Mockingbird likes to talk about a lot. You know, Jesus comes from Nazareth, and when he's uh, in the early days of his ministry, they say, uh, you know, one of the disciples says, Nazareth, I think Philip says, could anything good come from Nazareth? 
And uh, there's this over and over theme throughout the scriptures of God doing things through the least and the lost and the overlooked places with the overlooked people. Um, this is, you know, that that's why King David's great-grandmother is Ruth the Moabitess, like mm. the most hated uh, pagan group to the Jews. Um, and, you know, Abraham is a moon worshiper when he's called, all these things. So anyways, here Paul is saying the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Mm. And again, this is because in the grace of God, there's there's no more ranking. There's no more scorekeeping. We're all equal. And the ones that we would call weak are maybe actually the ones that are the most important. And the things in your life where you think, uh, the parts of your life that you think are the shameful, hidden parts, that may be actually where God God is working. So that's true individually. I think that's true in the community. And this is it's that's a principle that you see over and over. And I think is here in First Corinthians. And I think that that'll preach. That is absolutely right. The Nazareth principle. And then here we have it, uh, Jesus in Nazareth. and um, A perfect segue. Perfect segue. And so, um, but Jesus here, he shows up, the hometown boy, um, invited to preach in his uh, hometown synagogue. And there he gathers them all together and he begins to preach from Isaiah 61. He unrolls it and he starts preaching and uh, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery to the sight of the blind and to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he kicks back and he says, um, I am that sermon. Thank you. Yeah, to, today <laughs> this has been fulfilled in your hearing, which is a pretty audacious claim. And, and by the way, preachers, hold your fire on what's going to happen next That's week right. in this passage, because we'll get get what the the rest of the story, which is the congregation's response, Absolutely. which is not good, and it's but it's very interesting. Jesus is almost thrown off a cliff, um, and we'll get to that later. But this week, I think what we do here is we look at the fact that Jesus, he, this is his opening sermon, his inaugural address. He can say whatever he wants, and what he picks is to identify the human condition. Yeah, that's, which is that's what? the homiletical art right here, is that <clears throat> so often this passage is preached as if it's those people over there. If I sit through one more sermon, you know, and they're like, hey, the spirit of the, like, let's help the pressed, let's help the blind, let's help the captives. Like, no, you are missing the point. You're not doing your job if you preach that it's those people over there. If you want to, like, really preach this passage with power, let everybody know that they are the person in Isaiah 61. Yeah, who is not captive? I mean, can yeah. we talk? We were talking before about your your major uh, problem with donuts. Mm -hmm. uh, they're to you like Pringles. You cannot yeah. eat just one. Uh, and I'm the same way. You know, I had a great smoothie for uh, breakfast this morning that was full of flax. Jacob, put that finger down. Uh, it was full of so many antioxidants. I would not burn if you set me on a stake in the middle of a fire with Thomas Cranmer. But um, but tonight for dinner, you know what I'm going to have? I'm going to have like five pieces of Little Caesars deep dish. <laughs> so what I'm saying... Uh -huh. What I'm saying is we are captive. That's right. Ca the, 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 the judgmental thoughts we have, the ways that you, you, dear listener, judge other people incessantly and judge yourself. And I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just saying, like, look at how captive you are. Look at to how captive you are to your procrastination. Mm. Look at how captive you are to the, 
your own feelings of things you should be doing but you're not. Look how captive you are to the the dictates of fashion, whatever they may be. I mean, I can't believe that tracksuits are coming back, Jake. Mm. This is on the wish list for um, that Nike sent out in my email yesterday for Christmas. That's amazing. Uh, and it's so it's so we're captive to all these ridiculous things. Um, and Jesus wants to identify uh, this for people that. Yeah. That God comes to captive people, to blind people, to oppressed people, and that is not somebody over there, that is you and me. That's right. We're all blind, we're all oppressed, and there are tons of illustrations of that as well. What's interesting is is that to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and um, the one That's thing right. that is, if you go to Isaiah 61 and take a look at this passage, the one thing that is missing is, as Jesus has dropped, is uh, uh, and uh, to uh, basically herald his wrath. Um, uh, but the yeah, wrath he leaves is going, that out. He's, the wrath is going to be taken upon Jesus, and that's the powerful thing about this passage. Um, uh, Jesus uh, preaches very selectively here uh, because uh, the story is uh, yet to be fulfilled. But um, this is a word of actually hope to people in your congregation who um, are blind by their own egos, blind by their own need, blind by their own, you know, whatever it is. Uh, this this message, Jesus has come to save you and me, not those people over there. We're not dealing, Christianity always works best when you pull it out of the realm of hypothetics and make it hit the human heart. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so to connect this for people, um, whether it's Nehemiah and talking about how we are aware of the ways we've failed and sometimes um, just stay there too long, um, lamenting sins which God has already forgiven, uh, instead of enjoying our forgiveness, um, if it's connecting to uh, um, the in First Corinthians, the way we always are kind of ranking and competing, but instead of that, we can come to the gospel where we're all equal and, and loved and part of the same body, or whether it's same body of sinners who've been redeemed and loved, or whether it's you know Jesus's message in um, in his sermon in his hometown of Nazareth, where he says. Hey, um, the good news is that we're all captive, blind, and free, and so there's an honest diagnosis of our condition, and there, and and God does not say then, so get your act together. He says, no, I'm proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. That's right. Um, and today, this is, this this is, is what it's called. And you're hearing. So, yep. So go out there and enjoy your forgiveness. Absolutely. God bless. And by you, the everyone. way, preachers. Well, one more thing. If you, bad preacher out there, forgetful preacher, absent-minded preacher, non-sports-oriented preacher, have scheduled a Bible study or a potluck for next Sunday night, just know that it is Super Bowl Sunday and uh, nobody will show up. So just think about canceling that. <laughs> God bless you all. <laughs> Bye-bye. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but... Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.